0: I know we've turned to this verse now three or four weeks in a row, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time preaching on this, on this verse, but I, there's some things that the Holy Spirit has taught me from this verse that, you know, it almost seems like we changed our subject. You know, we've been talking about faith and how test trials and temptations are nothing more than a pressure from the enemy to try to keep you from the Word or to steal the Word from you before you understand it, or pressure you into turning loose of the Word, Or choking out the word through different tactics and and how you know if if we're ever going to fully understand what test trials and temptations are all about we've got to understand that the main focus the main target of these things in our lives um, as far as our enemy is concerned is the Word of God he does not ever want you to hear anything that your Heavenly Father has said to you about you for you anything that he's instructed you to do any any wisdom, any revelation that he has uh, for you in his word. Your enemy knows that as long as he can keep you from the word of God, he can keep you um, from ever uh, living the life and having the things that Jesus paid such a high price for us to have. And I know some people would say, well, Pastor Mark, is it not faith? Is faith not what he's trying to stop? Well, yes and no. Certainly he's trying to stop faith because faith in your heart is a victory that overcomes the world but it's the Word of God that arouses and activates your faith. God gave you the gift of faith, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so the enemy knows he can't steal your faith from you, so what he's trying to do is short-circuit it. He's he's trying to, to, in essence, keep it from ever coming alive and producing results in your life by keeping the second critical part, second critical ingredient, um, from ever connecting with your faith in your heart. And that's the Word of God. So the Word of God is spoken. It arouses or awakens the faith that God put in you. Romans twelve three. every person's been given the measure of faith. And, and Jesus said it was like soil and seed the faith in your heart is, is like soil, and the Word is like seed, and when the two come together, and if they remain together, they will produce results in your life. And so it, it all really comes down to the Word of God knowing what the Word has to say, aligning your thoughts, words, and actions with God's Word instead of what we've done so much our entire lives, and that is aligning our thoughts, words, and actions with the way things look, seem, and feel. So we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith, looking at and focusing on upon what God says, even if there's no evidence around us to support it or evidence to prove that it's true. It's true because God said it, and if we grab hold of it with our faith and never turn loose of it, the result that God intended pro- to produce in your life will, 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 will be produced. Now, several weeks ago, we talked about lessons from the first temptation, and this, of course, was when Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden. My full intention was to go the next Wednesday night into lessons from Jesus' temptation, and we still had not got there tonight, But, uh, and, and I don't know for how much we'll get into it tonight, but what we've been talking about last few weeks is setting the stage for this. It's preparing our hearts to to really understand and recognize what Jesus endured when He was tempted, how we can learn from His success when we're tempted, and how all temptation, again, is about the same thing. And I kind of baited you a little bit when I mentioned this. Again, it's been several weeks ago is that we've often looked at Jesus' temptations and we've only seen from that you know, He used the Word as a weapon to be successful. But it's not just that the Word was used to, to be victorious in the temptation, but the Word was what the temptation was all about. It was not just a weapon of defense. Because again, the devil will, will, will have us so confused you know he'll get us focused on one thing while he's really trying to steal something else from us all together and if we're looking one way he'll steal what it's really about and so again the word the word the word amen I'm not I want to go back and re-preach 17 sermons on it but I'm gonna I'm gonna stay focused tonight so with that said Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 23 O Lord I know the way of man is not in himself it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps again I know the way of man is not in him. If if the way for you to go about life is not in you, this means you've got to get this from an outside source. Okay? And if it's not inside of you, if it's not on board already, the man who walks to direct his own steps. Remember, we walk by faith. We live. This word walk is is talking about your life on a step-by-step, moment-by-moment, word-by-word basis. And he's saying that it's not in us. Um, that doesn't mean we don't need it, but what we need is not in us. We have to get it from our Creator. We have to get it, um, the way to live life as He intended, from Him. And remember, if we trust in Him, He will direct our steps. He will order our steps. So we said this verse means a few things. First of all, it means we're clueless. We don't really like to admit that, but you know, the Word of God, I showed it to you last week makes it very clear that without God we know nothing, without God we have nothing, without God we can do nothing. There's a lot of people who are very foolish in this world that believe that they know things without Him and can do things without Him and have stuff without Him. It's just simply not the case, all right? The other thing that this verse is implying here is that if we don't know the way, we've got three options. Don't go, make it up as we go, or get the information we need from somebody who has it. And since we're talking about life, not going isn't really an attractive offer. So what most people do is they make it up as they go along. But if we're going to get the way to live from an outside source, capital O, capital S, speaking of God, then this means that we're going to have to trust Him. When He says to you, if you want more money, you've got to learn to give. See, that sounds so counterintuitive. You know, we think, oh man, that giving money away, that's not how you get money. You get money by working hard and squirreling it away and being selfish and stingy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. See, that's the, that's the world's way. It's not God's way. So the thing about God's ways, He knows the way that you don't know. He has the way that you don't have. But His ways require faith because His ways are higher than our ways, which means they're going to be strange. They're, they're not going to make sense. They're almost going to be offensive to your logic or human rationale. But God's ways are the ways of faith and His ways are higher. And His ways will get you where you want to be in life faster, with more peace and more joy and more contentment when you get there. Remember, His blessing makes you rich with no sorrow. There's a lot of people in our world who've who've worked hard and even done illegal things to get ahead, but they have regret, they have guilt, they've sacrificed their family, they're afraid that they're going to lose what they have, they're afraid what they have is not enough, they look at other people who are richer than them and they're never satisfied. So there's a lot of folks that have wealth, but they have sorrow with it. Father wants you to be wealthy with no sorrow. No sorrow, right? Dragging no debt behind that new car. Amen. And so we see that His ways are higher and better. But if we're going to do life His way, it's going to require faith because He's going to ask you to do things and instruct you to do things in a way that sounds so opposite to how it ought to be. If you want to be great, He'll tell you how to be great. He he put greatness in you. But the way to be great is to be a servant, is to humble yourself, to make yourself the least and let God promote you. Amen. So this verse is implying that we're clueless. It's also implying That if we're going to live life the way God created us to live it's going to require faith now I want to start down a path tonight that maybe not a lot of people in this room but a lot of people in you know churchianity today you know uh, religion today Christian religion today I want to start down a path that that has the potential to make you uncomfortable and I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable And I'm not trying to be controversial just to stir people up and be controversial. Um, There are some things that we need to recognize and understand about our Savior and about what He's done for us that I think has been missing for a large portion of the body of Christ. And it has to do with just how much of a man He actually became. Now, again a hot button topic in the body of Christ today because there are you know a lot of people who believe that Jesus came to this earth but as the son of God but as you know everything he did he did as God Um, just kind of going around I had a pastor that he used to say it this way he said that Jesus was God with a little bit of skin pulled over him and I, mean, I love that pastor, and I'm so thankful for how much he blessed me and what he taught me over the years, but, but that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the Son of God became the Son of Man, and that he became a man, that he didn't just become like us, but he became us, and that he did what he did for us as us. And if you understand, and that's what I want us to get into uh, beginning tonight, if you understand why that was important and ultimately what it means now for you and me it will help you I think get over the initial um, rejection that our religious minds have to that notion so again if I could just state it as plainly and as clearly as I know how to state it Jesus according to the scriptures emptied himself of everything that made him God and became a man like as we are i'm multi- i'm kind of combining philippians 2 and some verses out of hebrews just to make this statement we'll come back and backfill this retainer wall after we get it built okay but he became a man emptied himself of everything that made him god he was in the form of god he thought it not robber to be equal with god but everything that made him god he laid it aside he took that crown off and set it on his throne in heaven And he came to this earth as a man, and he humbled himself, the Bible says, and not just as a man, but as a servant of servants, and humbled himself all the way to the point of obedience to allow himself to be beaten and tortured and executed in a horrific way on the cross. Now, the reason that this is so important for us to understand is because what Jesus did, He did for you, but He also did as you. And He did not come to this earth to try to improve His right standing with His Father. In other words, it wasn't like Jesus said, You know, Father, I'm, I'm going I'm to make myself even better to You than I am. <laughs> I'm going to make You love me even more than You do. And I'm going to go down there and I'm going to take care of all that business on the earth. No, Jesus' righteousness cannot be exceeded, cannot be improved upon. So He didn't come here as a man to make Himself right. He was eternally righteous already. He came to make you and me right. And because our weakness was our flesh, He had to come in the flesh in order to fix the sin problem by condemning sin in the flesh again now i'm quoting from romans 8 now before i get too far ahead of myself i want to back up with something that's even a little more controversial and i i was it was 3 weeks ago right there praying on a wednesday afternoon when the holy spirit said this to me now from time to time i i have you know confided in you I, again I can't make you believe what I believe, and I'm not here to even try to do that. My responsibility is to hear from the Lord, read the verse, and make the sense. Your responsibility is to receive that word, search the Scriptures for yourself, and allow the Lord to speak whatever it is He's speaking into your life. And the Holy Spirit is all of our teacher. I'm not your teacher. The Holy Spirit's your teacher. People come up to me all the time and say, Pastor man, what you said this morning so touched my heart. And I'm like, well, really, what was it? And they say something i didn't even say that was the holy spirit now something i said triggered something in them that the holy spirit then took that message and 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 implemented and applied it to their own heart and to their own question into where they are in their walk with the god with with the lord and so with the father and so you know i recognize that but from time to time the lord will speak things to my heart and and i'll begin to search the scriptures I, i'll begin to, you know, in my heart, or maybe I'll go to my office and and start, you know, searching through. Um, But a lot of times, you know, especially if it's something that kind of is astounding to me, I'll start searching it out. Because, because um, I'm still learning and growing. And there have been times, I'm not proud of this, but there have been times when I thought I heard from the Lord and it wasn't Him at all. But if you take what he said and search it out through the scriptures if it's really the Holy Spirit it will line up with the Word of God but if it's not the Holy Spirit if it was just you and your imagination then you will realize later as you search through the scriptures that no 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 that was just a a thought on my part and you say well pastor does that not make you nervous or what not at all because that's how we learn that's how we grow Are, yes and so you know you can't if, if you're if, if you're afraid You'll miss it from time to time. You'll never swing at any ball that comes, you know, across the plate. Amen. And so a lot of the things that I have learned, and, and you know, even what we were talking about, he leads us not into temptation. I knew that the modern-day translation of that passage was wrong. I knew it from the Holy Spirit. I didn't know how to tell anybody that I knew it was wrong, but I knew it was wrong. Now, uh, later, continuing to pray about it, continuing to search the Scriptures, turning to you know, continuing to dig deeper into the scriptures and, and some of the very complex uh, verb conjugations and things of, like that in the Greek, all of a sudden one day, boom, the, sur- the, the answer comes to the surface. All right? And so it was something that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and I remember I'd, I'd, I had searched through it a little while here in prayer and then went to my office and Pastor Rick walked in my office and I don't know if you remember Pastor Rick but I, I bounced it off of you. Just to kind of see, you know, because and and so here here is what the Holy Spirit told me. He brought to my attention. Let's go back to it. The passage. You see it, Jeremiah ten twenty three. Oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself; it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. I was meditating on this passage, praying over this passage, praying over the message of that Wednesday night, and the Holy Spirit brought this to my attention. He said Jesus was no exception to this truth that Jesus was no exception to this truth. That Jesus became a man in every way, and because becoming a man means the way of man was not found in Him, He had to find His way, or should I say His Father's way, just like each and every one of us. But now say here's the difference. Here's the difference. Jesus listened to his father. We decided to go get 2 PhDs from the school of hard knocks and then reluctantly listened to him part of the time. Amen. Now, if this is offensive to you, let me go ahead and tell you that I my initial search it was confirmed I told Pastor Rick but in the days ahead I begin to question I begin to question and so I went back to the Holy Spirit and I asked him I said I feeling like you're wanting me to preach this but in order for me to preach it confidently I, I, I just I need you to show me something else that's connected now again I'm getting way ahead of myself but he told me something that's been right there under my nose under your nose um, for years and years and years that I never noticed. And to me, it is the most simple, but the end all argument, and when I say argument, I don't mean like in each other's faces, but people who don't believe Jesus was a man in every way, people who believe that Jesus was only God with a little bit of skin pulled over Him, then, and, and wherever you may fall, see, this is, this is where I guess my journey has gone in this truth, Okay. I've gone from he was, God with a little skin pulled over him to, no, no, he was, he was a whole lot more man than that, but was kind of part God, part man, um, to now that he was fully man. Now there's another, there's another teaching that goes with this, okay? And, and it also makes people just as uncomfortable, Brother, Brother Todd, and, and that's this one, are you ready? Okay, it's not just that we're uncomfortable really embracing just how much like us he was, we're equally uncomfortable embracing just how much like Him we are. Are you guys what I'm saying? And you say, like, well how could He be a man and still do so many things